0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Rosh Hashanah sermon by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. Welcome to our holy sanctuary, the gym. This is the most holy time of our year and we are in a gym. How do we make the holy exercise of prayer and connection stretch in this space? Is God here? Do you believe in God? Does it matter for mundane interactions if you believe in God? Well, what does it mean to believe in God? To believe that there is a supernal being named God that has power over our universe and our lives, or is to believe to feel God's effects and presence in certain moments of existence? Is it a knowing or a feeling? Do you believe in God is an, actual, is an awkward question, partly because the questioner is often uncomfortable with how they themselves would answer, but also because the words are loaded with prejudicial doubt, like something more trifling or faddish like magic or science fiction. The truth is I don't have an answer for that uneasy question, but I'm certain I feel God and confront God and challenge God I believe I am in search with God. When I listen to a piece of music, I feel my eyes fill with tears. Do you believe in music? I feel the music, how the sounds and sometimes the words touch my heart and fill my body so much so that the feelings overflow out and into tears. I cannot prove the feeling of music, but I can share my experience enjoying it. Do you believe in prayer? Davening in my favorite shul in Jerusalem, women surrounding me and men at a distance, gazing out onto the old city as our ancient words of prayer are thrumming in my heart. I was surely in the presence of God. In all of these moments, I could feel God, but not because I believe God is in the moment. Rather, I can explain and share how I felt enlightened and overtaken by something greater than what I believe my own otherwise independent soul to be capable of. In the Sidur Mishkan Tefillah, there's a beautiful meditation that reads, I find by experience, not by reasoning, but by my own discovery that God is near me and I can be near God at all times. I cannot explain it but I am as sure of my experience as I am of the fact that I live and love. I cannot explain how I have come to live and love, but I know I do. In the same way, I know that I am in contact with God. Experience, not reasoning, resulting in contact with God. In the Talmud and Brachot, we come across a story of contact with God in the most expected of ways— prayer, and the most unique of reasonings. Rabbi Yossi was walking along the road and entered the rubble of a building near the ruins of Jerusalem in order to pray. The prophet Elijah came and guarded the entrance of the building until Rabbi Yossi had finished praying. When he was done, Elijah asked, why did you enter these ruins? Rabbi Yossi responded, to pray. And Elijah retorted, you should have prayed on the road. Rabbi Yossi said, I was afraid that I would be interrupted by travelers. To which Elijah said, you should have prayed an abbreviated service. Elijah paused and asked what Rabbi Yossi heard in the ruins to which he responded, I heard a heavenly voice, a bat kol. From this story, we learn two lessons. One that praying anywhere is perfect as long as you have kavanah intention, for your prayers. And second, that God's heavenly voice The bat kol can be found in the most beautiful of buildings or the most destitute of places, in the rush of people on the road around you, or in a gymnasium. The bottom line is that it is about the person who is doing the praying, the praising, the appreciating, and the petitioning, not the particular place or ambiance of the setting. If makom, which means place, is a name of God, it means the particular place where God is being encountered. That can be wherever any of us is. Surely there is God in this place, and I did not know, said our ancestor Jacob in Brashit. Jacob awoke from his vivid, spectacular dream of angels simultaneously descending and ascending a sulam, potentially a staircase or a ladder, and remarked, Ma norah Hamakom Haze. What awesomeness is in this place? Jacob makes an altar and names the place Beit El, a house of God. In 2015, I toured this old city of David with my grandparents. Our guide, a renowned architect, took us to a random place under the old city and had me read a few verses. They were those verses of surprise at a spontaneous discovery of divinity. Then our guide said, This is Beit El. Here is the stone for Jacob's pillow, here is the altar, and there is the olive press used to anoint this place as holy. Who knows? It looked just as the Torah described, and in that moment, I felt God. Even if I could, I would not ask ancient Jacob if he believed in God. After all, it would seem to be the wrong question. For in fact, he does not remark that he believes but rather identifies that God was in the place and subsequently acts embarrassed that he did not know. Both Radak and Rashi comment that had Jacob known how holy this place was, he would not have slept there. But why? Why not lean into and fall deeper down into the presence and glory of God when we can? We posit that Jacob believed in God because he felt the presence and define message in a dream. But Jacob does not explain what it means to believe in God. Rather, he exclaims, God was here. For Jacob, it was messaging, situational meditation, and dream intervention. We learn from Jacob that God is not just in words and prayers, but often in places and situations. Sometimes it is the feeling that you have in the space of flexibility to just be surrounded by the presence of God. Kaddish tom is a recognition of God's glory and blessing. If we were to write a blessing now that is said multiple times a day for up to a year, with all we know about loss and grief, would this be the language and the formula for that recitation? I'm not sure. But I know from many that it is not the words of the kaddish that bring comfort, but rather the way in which kaddish is said. There's a beautiful teaching that is illustrated in the Koran Sidur that shows the Kaddish as a dialogue, written out on one line, Yit gadal v'yit kadash rabbah. and on the next line, as if in a script, Amen. In order for the mourner to recite this prayer, there must be at least nine other Jewish adults in the room and someone to say Amen, someone to speak out, I am here, we are here. In that regard, the Kaddish is beautiful and provides community for the mourner. However, during times of grief, devastation, or unspeakable hatred, it's hard to want to praise God, at least for me. The morning of the shooting in Pittsburgh, there was a bar mitzvah at my shul in Northern California. And I prayed with a provoked intensity and poignancy, but not as much as a petition to God rather my desire for humans to change and the world to become more peaceful. Some might say, yes, but Rabbi Schatz, that means you believe in God and acknowledge that God can help us in those ways. Maybe so, but in that moment, that morning, after such tragic news that was not the belief I was choosing to focus on, rather the effect of Kadisha Tom that morning. Thinking of those who are reciting the words for 11 lives lost and in between the words of glory of God, the response, amen, from community members near and far, sharing in hugs and support for the Tree of Life Synagogue family. Shomea Tefillah, a God who listens to the prayers that I need to say and hear. In 2016, I accompanied my aunt Rietta to Michigan to pick up a little baby, three weeks premature, who she was going to adopt. Two years earlier, my uncle had died, leaving behind my aunt and their two-and-a-half-year-old, Joseph. Rietta wanted a brother for Joseph and entered the adoption process with success. Grieving my uncle will always challenge my relationship with God. What does it mean to believe in God, and what can my true belief in the divine do for me in such times of deep sorrow and anger. When we arrived in Michigan, we went straight to the hospital to hold this tiny baby and introduce him to our family. I was overwhelmed with the kedushah, the holiness of being a shlicha, a messenger for the love my uncle would have given this baby as a second parent. I felt connected to both my uncle and to God, and I felt much like Rabbi Yossi as though I was walking amongst and into my own ruins of pain and sadness to enter a place of ultimate happiness and love. Early the next morning, Rietta and I ran out to buy everything a baby would need before meeting the birth mom at the hospital to sign some papers that afternoon. The birth mom was late, two hours late, and I found myself praying harder and caring more than I ever had for a connection to God. We were afraid she was late because she wanted to take him back, and we would leave Michigan without this baby we had already come to love so much. The birth mom showed up, and we just started to cry. She hugged my aunt, held the baby, and watching her say goodbye was a moment with God the choice to give this baby a different life, knowing what she could not give to him and yet feeling so in love with him as her own flesh and blood. God was in that place and I knew it. She thanked us, we thanked her. We hugged her and when she left, we picked up this little baby, a son and a cousin, and called him Daniel for the first time. A name that both my Aunt Rietta and my Uncle Lee had wanted for their second child. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in God? Let's change that question. Do you feel God? Do you sense a divine spark in yourself and do you recognize the divine spark in others you interact with? Do you have moments of wow How could that have ever happened without a holy being, whether devastating or miraculous? In a New York Times article written after the mass shooting in El Paso, George Yancey, a philosophy professor at Emory University, quotes Ralph Waldo Emerson saying, "'Our age is retrospective. "'It builds the sepulchres of the fathers. "'It writes biographies, histories, and criticisms. "'The forging generations beheld God face to face, We through their eyes. Why should we not also have an original relation to the universe? Yancey continues, Emerson emboldens a legitimate question, the one with a theological inflection. Why can't I have an original relation to you, God? Though Yancey's letter was written in the face of suffering and distraught political feelings, I think it is a beautiful way to ask about belief in God we can bring God into our human interactions, our decisions, our successes, and our failings. Using God like a fair-weathered friend on an ad hoc basis might lead to terrible frustration, much like defunding social services and complaining about why more isn't being done to help our most vulnerable. I feel God. I engage with God. I seek moments of attachment to a holy being, I question the violence and destructiveness in our world through my relationship with the Holy Blessing One. I'm still not sure what it means to believe in God, but I know that if we are made in God's image, we are meant to be capable of being similar to God in important ways. I believe in you and me and the created world and our responsibility for its maintenance